Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, here's what it says. And you were dead in your the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by very nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by his grace, or for by grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good morning, Vicki. Good morning, Penny, Mike. So Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three is really where we're going to focus on today. It, it talks a lot about being dead, uh, being dead. Good morning, Jennifer, praying for you guys there at the, uh, um, with, with your treatments today. I know that's coming down towards the end, that's awesome. So Ephesians 2, and where the passage starts out with this idea of being dead, that without Christ, we're dead. Without Christ, we are dead. And we'll, we'll talk about numerous different ways of that. But um, Paul is moving from this idea of thanksgiving, of prayer, and now he's moving closer to an exposition of God's great power. I mean, we talked a little bit about that yesterday with the idea of in the name of Jesus and the power that comes in that, but he's going to be spending some more time on it. And we'll be talking about the power that we find in Christ. But first you got to kind of talk about how without Christ we're dead with, without Christ, there's nothing in us that is good. We're dead in our transitions. It's Christ's power. Uh, I'm sorry, dead in our transgressions. Um, Christ's power brings us freedom from the bondage of sin. So without him, we're dead in our transgressions. We don't, we don't know it. You know, when we're, when we're a sinner, we, we don't understand it initially until Christ comes in and through the Holy Spirit, the prevenient grace begins to give us conviction that leads us to Christ, to accepting him as our savior. You know, we, it's only when Christ helps us to realize it do we see how far that we've come. We see how far the grace of God has taken us from our original sin nature to where we are as believers. We see the things that we've done or the things we've left undone that we should have done that are all the transgressions of our lives. But then in the relationship with God, that, that relationship with God that has been broken through those things that we've done and left undone. And we need Christ's redeeming power to see it. It's in Christ that we are made whole again. 
You know, so death that he's using in here, this idea of death, it's describing the way that the Ephesians walked before Christ and us. The way we walked before knowing Christ was in death. We we walked in a, um, I'm sure there's some great poetic way of putting it and describing it, and I can't think of it right now with my uh, um, bit of a headache, but, uh, you know, we walk with death all around us. We're dead to relationships. We're dead to the beauty of nature. We're dead to so many different things because we don't see the greatness of them. We don't see God in them. And so therefore, they're just a fraction of what they were. You know, when we look at creation from a dead spirit and we see happen chance, happenstance, when we look at suffering through a dead nature, all we see is frivolity. It, it doesn't matter. It's in, it, who cares? I mean, there's nothing after this anyways, right? Instead of with Christ, we see hope and joy and all those things. We see creation and all of its, its amazing uh, natures of things. I, I wish I could remember right now, like I said, I've got a little bit of a sinus headache, so my brain's not as sharp. And um, but I, I read a, uh, um, a read uh, somebody putting into perspective, um, like if you were to walk to the moon. So if there was a bridge between the Earth and the moon, and you were to walk to the moon, it would take you 27 years walking 24 miles a day to get to the moon. But if you were to travel at the speed of light, it would take like 1.3 seconds. 1.3 seconds. And then you could travel on because, you know, you're bored. So you travel on at the speed of light and you reach Venus in four minutes and 30 seconds. Or you could reach Jupiter uh, and it's like 30 minutes you reach Jupiter. So basically you could get to the ends of the ends of the galaxy, ends of our little area. But that's not the Milky Way. That's just that's just our little bit of a, you know, backyard. And, and so then you decide I'm going to travel the entire Milky Way, which is our universe, right? And that would take you 100,000 years traveling at the speed of light to go from one end of the Milky Way to the other. And that's just our neighborhood. There's hundreds of other universes out there. And God created all of those with details for his glory, for our enjoyment and his glory. That's what God does for us. But when we're dead, we don't see it. When we're dead, we, we don't we don't see that. You know, he talks about this idea of being of walking in, walking in sins or transgressions. And when you walk in sins, you walk in, in a realm. There's a realm that we walk, and he talks about the realm here. Um, you're right, Michaela, he gives us that new, clean heart, and it puts new desires in it. We see things differently when we walk in Christ instead of walk in our sins and transgressions. You know, in our realm, walking, we're allowing our minds to be transformed by worldly things instead of being transformed by walking in the heavenly realms, right? So he gives us three descriptions of this realm, uh, of the realm that we walk in when we walk in sin and when we walk in, in our transgressions and, and the, the realm that we walk in. As first, he says it's the, the uh, uh, by the way, it, he's talking to a group of Hellenistics. And so the Hellenistics were extremely superstitious. So he's using, again, as Paul likes to do, terms that they would use in their poetries and that type of things. And so he, he says first this idea of the age of this cosmos. The age of this cosmos, it's, it's living in accord with the standards of this world. 
your world view, your mindset is based on the things of the world around you, the brokenness of the world, the one upping, the the attitude. I just heard a story of an individual who is on an elder board in a church, not in our denomination, not in our state, not you don't know him, okay? Um, but he's one thing when people are around him and he's nice and people like him, but then when he gets into the boardroom as an elder of the church, He's vicious. He he doesn't care who he stomps on. And he's had to be called out numerous times by the pastor because of his attitude. And, and that's living by the ways of this world. That That's living with a double mind where you are one thing when you are just yourself. But when you're in your business world, you have to be cutthroat. And it doesn't matter if you're at a church business meeting or a boardroom be- business meeting for your business. You're still as cutthroat. And that's just not right. But that's living in the age of this cosmos, allowing your worldview and mindset to be shaped by people around you instead of by Scripture. Right? I mean, let's think of right now. When this all first initially started, there was a lot of fear and anxiety. We were shaped by the unknown, the the fear can I say mongering <laughs> that happens often in the media because media is uh, by very nature, media is sensationalism. Media is trying to have the headline that sells the newspapers or gets you to look at their article in the midst of all the hundreds of other articles. And so they are sensational at times, not always factual, or they take little tiny bits of facts and overwhelm the truth with yeah, little white lies, right? To make it sound bigger than what it is. And I'm knocking on all medias. There isn't a good one, okay? Uh, um, uh, This isn't a Fox News over CNN, okay? They may be on different ends of the spectrum politically, but they both fall to sensationalism, okay? They're media. Um, That's what they do. I was, uh, we could go into marketing. Um, You know, I've uh, you know, I, I was trained in marketing, and let me tell you about the way you use sensationalism to capture somebody's attention. And you know, we won't go into that, but this is being ruled by people around you, and and the beliefs of the media, which are not scientifically proven, they're not from individuals who are at the heart of it. It's just taking one little line and blowing it out of proportion. And yet God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. So if all we do in this crisis is focus on fear, and we're not focusing on having love to our neighbors, showing the power of Christ that's above COVID-19, having a sound mind that's not Going from one, I I have people right now who I have talked to, and again, I won't say they're not from our church, they're not from, okay, don't ask who they are, but uh, I've had people who, they were fearful at first, and now they're, oh, it's a hoax. (laughs) I, I don't know how you go from one extreme to the other, except for the fact that you're caught in sensationalism. So be careful, be careful, because... To me, that sounds like another verse where it talked about our minds just being a part of like the the, the shifting grains. We, we change with every sea. So be careful. Be careful. I'm not giving a political view, not saying which side of it I believe on, okay? But we as Christians need to be love, power, sound mind, right? We need to have wisdom. We need to have courage. And we need to be compassionate, all three. 
So that's the age of this cosmos, the, the mindset. I mean, the, the, we could go into creationism, evolutionism. That's a mindset. It's a worldview. Um, you know, they all have consequences because let, let's put it this way. And I, I've said this before, I think, on one of these videos. I grew up a seven-day creationism. Um, I am very much a, I, I believe God spoke it, God did it, um, God created it. And I, I actually, one time with a professor who is a scientific creationism, which believes in millions and billions of years in between the days of creation, and he goes, it takes more faith than I'm ready to warrant that God created the earth in seven days. And my response was, it takes more faith than I'm ready to warrant that God did it in seven days because he could have done it in two seconds or one. Or point one, you know, I mean, he's God. He could have gone like that and everything would have been created. Your belief in your worldview has an outcome. You see, and I'm not, I'm not prideful of this, but let me just explain. When difficulties came his way, this professor was an Eeyore. Everything was doom and gloom. I mean, this guy was an Eeyore, uh, like crazy. And it was a Christian university too, but he was an Eeyore because his power of God was a God who accidentally kicked something and it started a process that took millions of years before it happened. Instead of a God who just by thinking the name of Jesus and being ready and the words are on your lips and God is already sending the angels to protect you, to lift you up because he knew what you were going to pray for. There's a difference in that power of which end you fall in with the spectrum of God. All beliefs have an outcome. So be careful that your worldviews are grounded in scripture and not the age of the world that you are in. Because even as believers, we can fall into that. Second one um, was the rulers of the realms of the air. The rulers of the realms of the air. So, um, I see I skipped something. I'll come back to that. Be a little bit out of order. But rulers of the realms of the air. It, it, it's the forces that operate on the pre-Christian state, it's the devil, and even on the Christian state, you know, they 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 attack us, right? Um, the air is the, uh, in in that Hellenistic thought was basically anything. So get this, anything between the moon and the earth that is the realm that uh, the devil and the demons and all the satanic stuff that that all is right here because God and the angels are up in heaven trying to force their way through. But the angels control this or the demons control this area, which is why when somebody is insane. We call them a Luna tick or it's Luna C. Luna is Latin for moon. That's where that comes from. <laughs> Good morning, Carrie. And so when we are controlled by what Paul is saying there of the ruler of the realms of the air, he was talking in that Hellenistic mindset, that belief that it was the demons that controlled from the moon to the earth. And it's where we get our term Luna, Luna C and, and uh, um, lunatic. The rulers of the realms of the air and these causes children of disobedience. And, and really, you could say there is obedience to disobedience. They're obedient to themselves. 
but they're not obedient to God, right? They're obedient to their selfish natures. When my kids don't do what I ask them to do, or they talk back all the time, they're being obedient to their selfish desires. Good morning, Pat. Instead of being obedient to the things that I asked them to do. You know, the third thing that he speaks about here in, in Ephesians 2 calls us for children of wrath. We're children of wrath. You know, we're all about wrath. We're all about selfish desires before Christ. We're, we're all about what our minds want to believe. We're all about being swayed so easily by the people around us who have agendas and want us to believe things and be on their side versus on others. Realize Cain was called a child of wrath. He was called the son of wrath, actually. And that's what the devil does is he seeks to draw us away to be a child of wrath. Our evil desires, our hearts, when not put in check, we become full of wrath. That's why gossip, slander, division, it's so easy to talk somebody else down to make ourselves look good. You know, outside of Christ, human dispositions and inclinations are so captivated by sin that we become subject to God's wrath. Without Christ, we are deserving of God's wrath, wrongfully led, wrongfully being led to sinners in the hands of an angry God. And that's so, you know, that was a, a sermon that kind of sparked some of the great awakening, but it started more of a hellfire and brimstone great awakening. Can I tell you that Jonathan Edwards, nowhere else in any of his other sermons did he act like God was a vengeful, wrathful God. And in fact, he wasn't real proud of that sermon. He actually wrote a couple other sermons that almost contradicted it because he believed so much in God's love. But the wrathful, vengeful God that he preached about in that um, was something that kind of came out of a bad mood doesn't mean that there wasn't power in it, that there wasn't strength in it because people were saved. But we have to be careful that we don't see God as just a vengeful, wrathful God because then he's nothing more than Zeus or other mythological gods who sit up on the mountains and they're waiting for us to do something wrong. They're waiting to throw the lightning bolt at us. They're waiting, waiting to crash the roof of the church when we step in because, well, we don't belong there. Outside of Christ, death is what we find. Death. So death, he talks about death. Death is a old Anglo-Saxon word. It's been around for a long time, and it basically means separation. Death is separation from something. It's separation from multiple things. You know, there's Paul talks numerous times about physical death. It's separation of soul and spirit from the body. When we die physically, our soul and spirit separates from this body. We, he talks about social death, right? Social death is the separation that death brings in friendships between loved ones, between our neighbors, that we, we are so selfish that we break relationships with them. Domestic death is, is family and homes that dissolve. Spiritual death, man's sin against God, separates us from God. 
See, death is separation. No matter how you define it, what area of life you define it in, death is separation. Death is the result. I heard one Henry Drummond put it this way. Death is the result of cessation of correspondence. When you don't have a relationship, right? I, I like to say that sometimes that, um, you know, in our relationship with God, you can't have a, a, a relationship without a friendship and you can't have a friendship without a conversation. You got to be speaking with God. Good morning, Bev. You got to be speaking with God, creating the relationship or death will, morning, Sharon, separate us from God. And that's what Satan wants to do is what we've been reading here in Ephesians 2. So let me end the last little bit here with these ideas of what he's talking about with sin and what sin does in our lives. So we've already talked about the realms that he's talking about that we walk in when we're not in Christ. We talked a little bit there about death. And now let's talk a little bit about sin. By the way, if you want a term to, to look up, I didn't go into it a whole lot here, but what he's talking about with death is really it's original sin. It's the sin that we are born with that separates us from God. Original sin that we are, are given because of Adam and Eve. That's the sin and death. And so sin and death in, in Paul's writings are linked so uh, clearly together, closely together, all the way through. Sin always has killing power. That's what Paul tries to get across. Sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. Doesn't lead to Christ. It leads to death. Sin without redemption, sin without forgiveness, sin without being sorry and remorse leads to callousness, to death. And so sin always has killing power. And there's three ways that sin has killing power. Sin first kills innocence. Sin kills our innocence. You're never the same. And we could take that in two different ways, right? Sin, when you complete commit sin, you're never the same. After that first little small white lie as a child, you might grow and learn to get better at lying. You, you might grow and get better at passing the blame. You might grow and get better at it. Or the other side of it is when sin done to you. We live in a depraved world. And when you look at the brokenness that we see in many lives, when you look in our prison systems, when you look at... Um, Children or individuals that are um, maybe adulterous or other issues, they might have issues because of something that was done to them as a child. I don't have to go into details there. You probably all have known someone who has been affected through molestation or other items along that realm. Sin was done to them, even sins of drug addictions and families, of, of lack of emotional care. Sin kills innocence. Sin kills ideals. It kills ideals. We, we are told as believers to have strong ideals, morals that are, are founded in Jesus Christ. But you see, first, 
you see sin and you sometimes you see it with horror. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. Wow. You know, the first time a, a child sees something that they shouldn't on TV and uh, a murder or that type of thing, it's this horror. But then the second time they see it, it can lead to temptation. And then the third time they see it, they might sin without a qualm. They might sin without a care because they've become callous to it. Reminds me of that old song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because Satan has a way of bringing back those things that we've seen. Bringing back ideas. You know, I, I it, it's no wonder... And, you know, this is something maybe somebody has done a doctoral thesis on, if not, somebody needs to. But I believe because we have seen that violent crimes have gone up in our world. Violent crimes seem to be on a rise. And my true belief is that it happens because we know about them more. We can watch them on movies. We, we can read about it in the news. And so it plants ideas into people's brains. Same thing with if you've known somebody who has taken their own life. I know some individuals that I've helped over the years that have had issues with wanting to take their own lives. And it comes and stems because they've known people who have. And so it put the idea in their mind. Same thing with fiction works that we read. Even in the fiction, sometimes those are things that plant in our minds and we begin to believe it. So be careful because sin not only kills innocence, but it kills our ideals and the things that we say, well, I would never do that. And in the end, sin kills at will. Sin kills at will. First, you engage in sin because you want the pleasure and then you begin to engage in sin because you can't stop. You ever met a drug addict who really wanted to be a drug addict? So often they're just trying to fill a hole. Trying to fill a hole in their heart that only Christ can fill. You know, the devil, the name is Diablos. And Diablos, it means to divide. Satan wants to bring separation between individuals, between individuals and each other, individuals and in creation, and individuals and in God. He's trying to divide us, to separate us. Satan wants to split us, and God wants to reconcile us. To redeem us. When we follow in the ways of Satan, we cause division. But when we humble ourselves and follow in the ways of God, he brings reconciliation to brokenness. And so that's verse 1 through 3, and there's a lot in there. But it might seem even like a little sorrowful. But let, let me remind you what verse 4 said. Okay, verse four, but God, and that's where we'll go on Monday. <laughs> um, 
You know, we talked about the realms we live in when walking without Christ. We talked about spiritual death and other deaths, and we talked about sin, but God. That's the catalyst. That's the thing that brings us hope and brings us joy in the midst of it all. But God. So this weekend, maybe you need to remind yourself of that when you're down, when you're depressed, but God. <laughs> when you're overwhelmed by the news, but God. When you're feeling like you can't go on or can't do any more or you've given it all you can, but God. That's the hope that we live in. So God, we love you and we just thank you that even in the, the midst of what sounds like darkness, what sounds like it's death, it's separation, and yet you are there. But God, there is so much weight in those two words. But God. You know, when my kids say something and they use a but, it's fun to say, well, that's a pretty big but. Well, God, you've got a pretty big but. <laughs> and your but covers everything. And so, God, I just thank you for that, those words of but God, but God in Christ. We don't have to worry about death. We can find victory in sin, and we can find life and peace in this realm. We can have a proper worldview when we walk with you. So, God, I look forward to what you bring for us this weekend as we, we experience our churches, our services online. We look forward to meeting again together, at least at Jeff Naz here soon. It's going to be different. It's a new reality. It's not a new normal. We don't know what normal is. It's a new reality, but God is there. But God is still on the throne, and but God is teaching us to love our community and our neighbors so much more than we ever have before. But God, give us hope this weekend. Give us your joy and your peace that passes all understanding. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.